On Monday, News24 specialist legal journalist Karen Morn and state advocate Billy Downer appeared in the Peter Maritzburg High Court. It was the first day of former President Jacob Zuma's private prosecution of Morn and Downer. Zuma is alleging that Morn colluded with the state to publish his medical records without his permission. So what exactly is this case about and why should you care? Well, media freedom is on the line. And this week on The Story, we'll unpack just how important this case is for the future of journalism in this country. I'm Catherine Rice, a multimedia journalist for News24, and you're listening to The Story, where we talk to journalists and experts about the biggest story of the week. This week, we're talking to News24 specialist legal journalist Karen Morn, who is speaking out for the first time about this case. And later on, we'll talk to News24 editor-in-chief Adrian Basson. Karen, thanks so much for your time. Tell us about how it felt to sit in the dock in a case brought against you by the former president of the country. I think it was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I think it was designed to be an exercise in humiliation. And, you know, I've been covering the courts since I was a kid. I was like in my 20s when I started this job. And I never thought for one minute that I would ever be in that position. Um, But when it happened, you know, I got a lot of support from News24. Adrian was there with me. He was literally sitting in front of me. Um, And just, you know, like the messages people were sending and the kind of people that I respect, that I value, who know the circumstances of this case, know that there was no leaking of medical records, know that all we did was, all I did was publish court papers that were filed by Jacob Zuma's lawyers themselves in conditions where no confidentiality was asserted. And also in conditions where the former president has, you know, himself repeatedly made claims about his medical conditions, claimed he was poisoned, Vladimir Putin saved him, um, has now, you know, embarked on a case in the Supreme Court of Appeal where his lawyers have argued that there's evidence that he is terminally ill. And Arthur Fraser, for example, the correctional services head, has released a lot of information about his medical condition with no complaint from the former president. So, you know, on a substantive level, I absolutely know that this case will fail. I know that it's designed to harass and intimidate me. And I am overwhelmed by the level of support and the level of insight that ordinary people have as to why this is happening and the kind of support that they gave me and my company is giving me is is really very, very, you know, it's incredibly humbling and I'm very grateful for it. What kind of harassment have you experienced on social media and how have you coped with that? I don't um, engage with that stuff at all. I ignore it because I don't believe that it's, I think there's a very big difference between legitimate criticism and what happens globally, particularly with female journalism, journalists, which is a silencing project. So I don't, I mean, I'm aware people, you know, we obviously put references to it in my court papers and said that there was a, a an absolute kind of campaign of targeted harassment. But I don't engage with that stuff. I don't see the point. I'd rather... I'd rather talk to real-life human beings who are intent on the well-being and future of this country and who can see the wood for the trees than an ocean of bots who are just basically mouthing off the same tired, desperate arguments to try and silence me, which will not succeed. 
But I mean, on the other side, you've also had support, which you touched on. Tell us about the support you've been getting from ordinary South Africans. I mean, one of the most touching things was, um, you know, Lee Matthews' parents messaging me and just, you know, expressing support. And, you know, there are people who have lost a child, you know, the, the level of trauma that they've endured. The the parent of another um, person that I reported on, I mean, you'll remember the case, the Sizzler's Gay Massage Parlor Massacre. She also messaged me and just said, like, I still remember you. Thank you for everything that you've done. Don't be discouraged. Um, you know, people that I, I really look up to, whistleblowers, state capture whistleblowers, like Ethel Williams, Temba Maseko, Pumula, like, Williams, messaging me and just and yeah it's just like those are people who know what it's like to walk through much more difficult fires than I'm walking through at the moment and the fact that they took time out to just express that is is very overwhelming and then just ordinary people walking up to me in the street giving me fist pumps like you know hey my sister the country's with you on the day that it happened, I was walking in the waterfront and this young man walked up to me and he just said, you know, the country is with you. And I, I, the news had just broken that I was being prosecuted. And I said, yeah, well, you know, now I'm, I'm facing pros- prosecution. And he was like, I know, I saw that. I saw that. But he said, you must understand the country's with you. And he just gave me this big hug, this complete stranger. Um, I don't know his name, but if you're listening to this, you know, you just, You really lifted me when I was in a very, very sad space, and I'm grateful to you. Karen, will you carry on reporting on Zuma's corruption trial? Absolutely, because our argument is that this is designed to stop me from doing that. And as you well know, journalists are very stubborn personality types. And uh, if you try and make us not do something, we're definitely going to do it. So, you know, obviously we have some concerns around security, particularly given the kind of comments that have been made by the former president's daughter on social media, where she's effectively suggested that I should be beaten up. Um, But, you know, we, we had security when I went to court this week and we will have security when I go to court on Monday to report on the further progress of the former president's trial. And Billy Downer will be there to prosecute the case and I, and I will be there to report on it. And so we're going to keep doing our jobs despite the efforts to stop us, both of us in our separate ways from doing so. But Karen, that was my next question. You know, how do you feel in terms of your personal safety? I would, you know, I think a lot of people would feel quite nervous. There's been a lot of publicity around this case, a lot of support, yes, from ordinary people, but also some scary utterances from very powerful people. How do you feel on a daily basis in terms of your safety? I think the thing for me is that I have a deep faith in God. And I don't believe that, like, I fundamentally believe we're all here for a reason. And this was what I was put here for, was to tell the stories and to try and help people understand what's going on. And so, you know, I'm not someone who's scared of death. I'm not scared of, um, you know, the, I'm really not afraid. Like, the, I think the hardest thing for me has been, you know, watching people who love me, my family, sort of process the situation. And, you know, my, my, I have younger members of my family who are little kids who are just like, you know, they think that court is somewhere where like really bad people go. And like, why is this happening to you? They don't understand like this concept of 
the law being used in a way to abuse or to harm people who are just doing their jobs. And I think that that's, that's been one of the hardest things for me is, is trying to explain that to, to them. Um, but am I scared? No. Um, I'm cautious and I definitely am very measured about the way I conduct myself and we don't make rash decisions. We, we have security. We do all those things. But I absolutely refuse to be intimidated because then these guys have won. And we are fighting for the soul of this country right now. You know, it's we're in such a season of, you know, literal and metaphorical darkness that anyone who is seen or perceived to be shining a light is is instantly a target. And if you just put your light under the bed, then they've won. You'll still shine, but no one's going to see you. So there's no point to that. And, you know, as long as I am alive and able to do my job, I'm going to keep doing my job. I'm not going to worry about stuff, whatever nefarious plans people have. You know, I, I as, a, as a person who believes in God, who is a Christian, don't believe that any weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I, I live that out in my life. And Karen, what do you hope that this case will achieve in terms of the future of journalism in this country? I fundamentally believe in private prosecution. I think it's an important aspect of our law that needs to exist. I mean, there was an incredible case a number of years ago where a young woman who was, um, you know, found with a bullet wound in her head, the NPA declined to prosecute on the basis that they believed she died by suicide. And her parents didn't believe it for one second. And they embarked on a private prosecution. It took them 10 years. But they eventually obtained the successful conviction of her boyfriend for her murder. And and that's an example of why private prosecution needs to exist, um, because it, it does give people who have an absolute right, who have an, a, a belief, a legitimate belief that there is justice that needs to be done, the ability to seek that justice. But it cannot be that it is then turned over to people who have an illegitimate interest in undermining and subverting those who hold them accountable, be that journalists or prosecutors or whoever else, um, and hounding, intimidating and harassing them. So my hope is that this case sets solid lines down for how private prosecution can be pursued, in what circumstances, and to safeguard any journalists who are just doing their job, doing their job honestly and, you know, with full, um, you know, awareness of the law from facing a spurious, uh, spurious case just because they do their work a little bit too well for some people. Well, we will be watching from the sidelines and supporting you. Thank you so much for your time. That was Karen Morn, specialist legal journalist for News24. We're now joined by News24 editor-in-chief, Adrian Basson. Adrian, thanks so much for your time. Adrian, what is a private prosecution and how is it possible that the former president can get his own prosecutor into the dock? Hi, Catherine. Well, the private prosecution is a mechanism in the Criminal Procedures Act that allows private citizens to prosecute a someone they believe is a criminal if the state has declined to prosecute that person. So let's take an example. If you walk um, down the road tonight and, and uh, for, for a terrible reason your bag is being snatched, um, by by someone that you know who the person is um, and uh, the police 
fines the guy, uh, they take a statement, they give it to the NPA, the NPA refuses to prosecute and say there's not enough evidence to prove that Mr. X took your bag, you can then apply to the National Prosecuting Authority for something called a Nolly Prosecute Certificate, which is really just fancy Latin for a certificate or a document stating that we are not going to prosecute this person. If they give you that certificate, you can then, if you believe you have enough evidence to to put this robber in jail, you can then institute a private prosecution in a court before a judge, normal case like a, any other criminal case. You have to put up some money to prove the court you have the finances to fund this case, specifically if you lose it. Um, and obviously the same legal tests will apply, which is prima facie, to, 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 to prove your case beyond reasonable doubt. Um, so in this case, uh, former President Zuma um, got that certificate only for Billy Downer. That's one of the legal points we'll probably get to. Um, and has now charged Billy Downer, the prosecutor, for this so-called criminal offence by allegedly providing court documents to Karen Morn. Speaking about money and having to put up money in a private prosecution, where is the money coming from? Who is paying for Zuma's legal fees? So Zuma had to put up a, a security to the court. Um, he first put up 90,000 rand, which... Um, Downer and his lawyers then wrote back to him and said, that's absolutely not enough. This trial is not going to run for one or two days. It's probably going to be for a few days. Uh, we know advocates are expensive in this country that charge up to 50,000 rand a day. So the state went back and asked for a million rand security. As Zuma came back and they um, settled on 500,000 rand security. But interestingly enough, this week in the Peter Maritzburg High Court, it was revealed for the first time that the security was put up by a guy called Louis Liebenberg. Now, if you remember well, Catherine, to April this, this year, um, during one of those many postponements of Zuma's own corruption trial where he was so-called ill, um, there was a picture on Facebook posted that week by uh, this guy called Louis Liebenberg, who's a diamond trader from the Northern Cape, uh, who also deals in cattle, uh, taking some Nguni cattle to Zuma in Kandla. Um, this guy is a bit of a checkered figure. Uh, he's under investigation by the Hawks, we understand, for running allegedly a Ponzi scheme. He hasn't been convicted of anything, but he's under investigation. Um, and in that article at the time, Liebenberg said that he had a dream um, that the Afrikaner nation was under threat and that Jacob Zuma uh, was the solution to the Afrikaner nation. The Afrikaners and the Zulus had to team up. And that's how he, you know, got involved with Jacob Zuma. Quite a bizarre story and, and another check it figure on the long list of dodgy people that's been helping out Jacob Zuma over the many years. Adrian, can you tell us why is this case so important for media freedom? I cannot overemphasize uh, the danger of criminally charging a journalist. You know, Catherine, we've been lucky in South Africa since the advent of democracy. We haven't seen journalists being convicted and tried in criminal courts in South Africa, although we still have something called criminal defamation on the books that is being challenged in the constitutional court at the moment. But normally what happens if someone that you or I write about or make a documentary about that's aggrieved with us, they either go to the press ombudsman or they sue us for defamation um, in, in the civil courts. And Zuma himself, you will remember, he sued Zapiro at some point. Um, he sued other journalists who wrote about him never carried through those cases but this time he is up the end and he's gone th for a criminal prosecution uh, through a private prosecution now we have many reasons we believe why it's an invalid prosecution and why we believe the court should struck it off before it even runs but just to pause that for a moment 
A former president who swore allegiance to the Constitution on many occasions, at least twice when he was sworn in as president, and inside that Constitution, freedom of expression and freedom of the media is explicitly guaranteed. Taking a journalist to a criminal court that could result in a prison sentence, I think is a, is a very dangerous and perilous moment for media freedom in this country. The fact that Jacob Zuma feels confident that he can ask a court to imprison Karen for writing about court papers is, is a danger to society because it tells his supporters, it tells people sympathetic to a case that journalists are fair game and that you know they are criminals for doing their job. This is not a journalist who stole something or you know who committed fraud against Zuma or who broke into his office and stole his records. You know, we are talking about a journalist asking a lawyer for court documents. I mean that is something so basic that happens every day in this country in any every newsroom. I'm sure you like me have asked for court documents before. The issue around the timing will be argued in court, you know, whether it was filed in court or not and what public, publicly filed means. But I think the mere fact that he's charged so criminally in this extraordinary move alongside the prosecutor, he wants to send a message. He wants to say to journalists and prosecutors, I warn you, I can also threaten you with imprisonment like you have imprisoned me. And I think that's a very dangerous moment, as has been highlighted, for example, by the uh, Commission for Protection of Journalists in, in uh, New York. It's absolutely an incredibly important case that has now been postponed until February, I believe. But an urgent application brought by Morn will be heard before mm. then. Can you tell us about that? And could that put a stop to the entire process? So when Karen received the summons to to appear in court on this private prosecution, yeah, we had a chat, myself and her, obviously with colleagues and also with our lawyers, just to decide what to do, you know, um, we could just let this thing run and, you know, let the private prosecution proceed if it gets to that. And we are absolutely convinced that there's no case against Karen. But we decided that this case is so serious that the chilling impact this could have on media freedom and journalism is so serious that we are actually going to bring our own application to ask the High Court to strike this matter off the roll before it even runs. Because of three main reasons. The first one, Catherine, is that there's no Nolly prosecute certificate. So as I explained earlier, you have to have a certificate where the state declines to prosecute someone criminally before you can charge him in a private prosecution. There doesn't exist one for Karen. Yes, they could maybe rectify that and try their luck with the police and the NPA again with Karen, as they have done with Downer. There doesn't exist one at the moment. So we are saying that just on that ground alone, the case should be thrown out. But secondly, we make a very strong abuse of power case. And we say that the court system and this, this entire mechanism called the private prosecution that could really assist people who are real victims of crime is completely and utterly abused here by Zuma for other reasons, for external reasons. And these reasons, in our view, is harassment, intimidation and bullying of Karen Morn in an attempt to silence her and to silence her journalism and her work and reportage on Zuma and his own corruption case that resumes again next week in court. Because Karen has been covering this case for 20 years. Of all the journalists in court, she knows the case best. And we are proud of that. And that's why someone like Karen is a celebrated journalist in South Africa because that's where she wants to be. She doesn't want to sit in the office. She wants to be in the courtroom reporting on, on court cases. And... They want her silence. They want her out of there. They don't want her to bring up 
her institutional memory and knowledge of things that happened 10, 15 years ago, as she's been doing in a report, it's not only on the Zuma case, also on the public protector hearing that's ongoing in Parliament at the moment. So we believe this is an intimidation attempt to, to silence her, to call her an accused, to um, create um, suspicion around her journalism. And that's why we believe the court should also throw it out. And thirdly, there's the issue of standing. Now, as the lawyers explained it to me, um, to be able to prosecute someone, you have to be able to show injury to you as the victim. And Jacob Zuma has completely failed to show the court how he was injured or damaged by Karen writing about these court papers. That really didn't include a medical record, as he claims, but a doctor's note vaguely referring to um, his, his, main, uh, his, his, his state of health. So those are the three main reasons. Um, the fact of the, the, the absence of a knowledge prosecute certificate, the abuse of a court process, and the lack of standing. And we will argue this case on the 8th and the 9th of December in the Peter Meritzburg High Court and hope that the judge at that hearing chucks out the entire case against Karen Morton that it doesn't continue in February next year. And Karen will be back in court covering Jacob Zuma's trial next week. Absolutely. We are not going to back down. We're not going to allow Jacob Zuma to bully us and tell us which journalists can cover what story. Karen will be back in court on Monday when the Zuma corruption trial resumes, reporting on the matter as per normal. She's not compromised in any sense. Uh, we believe that this is an absolute nonsense case and we support her and I'm, we are confident that our readers and subscribers will completely see through this attempt to silence her. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was News 24 Editor-in-Chief Adrian Basson. That's all we have time for this week. I'm Catherine Rice. Join us again next week for the story.